This is the Big Finish Weekly Podcast. It's October the 10th, 2016. And my name is Benji, and on behalf of the Grand Strategic Council, I'm joined here by Field Major Briggs, who will be conducting his rendition of the G3 Military Assessment Survey. It's Nick Briggs. Yes, thank you very much. <laughs> yes, and, yes, sir. Uh, that's the sound of my tongue coming out in a sort of fashion. What? What is this? Lovely bit of latex. The finish are the purveyors of fine audio drama and audio books. <laughs> Things like Doctor Who, Torchwood, Blake 7, Sherlock Holmes, Survivors, The Omega Factor, The Prisoner, The Confessions of Dorian Gray, Dracula, Frankenstein, stuff like that. That's right, we've got Jago and Lightfoot, Countermeasures, Graceless, Dandare and more. It's very exciting. Have a little look, see what you think. (laughs) Just nodded the pop shield then. (laughs) Coming up in this podcast, more nodding of the pop shield. Um, In a moment, the Big Finish news. That'll be followed by listeners' emails. The address to email us is podcast at bigfinish.com. We think Peter Ware of Doctor Who magazine got the message about that last week. Yes, bless him, bless him. (laughs) Poor guy. It felt afterwards, it felt like we were just harassing him. Yes, it felt like (laughs) bullying. Bullying in the workplace. Bless him, bless him. Sorry, Peter. We're going to we'll interview him at some point because when I went to Doctor Who magazine last time, he was he was uh, off sick. So uh, uh, you know, the the offices are fairly near um, where we record Tom Baker. So I'm going to pop over one day. Pop over and say hello. Well, talking of interviews, it's later on will be time for our guest interview. Ooh. Yes, and you, the listener, know more about that than we do. <laughs> you all have a nice audio file with an image embedded depicting our guest star. The Big Finish website will feature a podcast news story with an image depicting the guest star. But as we record this, I'm really not sure who it is. I think that's called dramatic irony, isn't it? When the audience knows something the characters don't. <laughs> that was a beautiful paragraph. I love it. Yeah, I love you. it. Thank you. It's one of my favourites. <laughs> one of my best. And following that dramatic irony, we'll be activating the Randomoid Selectatron, which was created by listener Hannah Newman. This clever gizmo randomly selects a big finished production from the archives. It's yeah. yes. an archive noise. I don't know what that is. That, that's what the archive said. We, we have debunked oh. this. That's Sorry, right. And, well, yeah. <laughs> and uh, once it's picked from the archives, we then play you a trailer and chat about it, hopefully yeah. knowing what we're talking about. I, mo- I mostly leave it to Briggs. The trouble is the uh, potential for it being a release that I have nothing to do with or indeed have, have never heard is quite, quite, quite high. That pot- is, is, can potential be high? Listen, uh, then it'll be time for a quick <laughs> roundup of the latest releases of the sixth instalment of our serialisation of The Prisoner, our audio reimagining of the 1960s classic, which went down really well with listeners and reviewers alike earlier this year, I might say, immodestly. Any road up... Now it's time for the news. Oh, Nick Nick did that with absolute pomp there. That was wonderful. Absolute flamboyancy. I'm going to do the rest of the podcast like this. Show us. I've gone completely insane. Sort of radiophonic ice warrior. Right, I'm not going to explain what that was. You just have to be a regular listener to know what the heck 
up to. Anyway, the first news item, Benji. Let's go, and it's the beginning of the end for the first of the last forever Dorian Gray stories goes online today. Oh. That was an absolute tongue twister of a sentence. At the end of the month, friends and fans of Big Finish's eternally young Dorian Gray will bid an emotional farewell to the release of The Confessions of Dorian Gray Series 5, the last set in the range. Today, for anyone who has pre-ordered the set on either download or CD, the first story is now available. Alexander Vlahos stars in Guy Adams' One Must Not Look in Mirrors. London, 1888. When Oscar Wilde befriends a young man by the name of Dorian Gray, he finds himself immersed in a world devoid of morals. But as a celebrated killer stalks the streets and he struggles to come to terms with inhuman actions, can he find any humanity in Dorian? Ooh. Yeah, dot, 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 question mark. Out there, that's... Ellip- ellipses. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's tense. A little punctuation obsession here. Tense punctuation yeah. right there. And that's right, The Confessions of Dorian Gray's Series 5 will be released at the end of October. Stay with me, please. Stay with me and talk. Relive old times. A prelude to the best ones yet to come? Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The Confessions of Dorian Gray, the final series. Painting is like all forms of storytelling. First, before you get distracted by details, you need to flesh out the background. You need to give it a setting. You need to give it tone. This is not about Constance nor the boys. This is about the young man who is about to change my life. This is about Dorian. You'd think the longer you live, the more you'd forget. But that isn't the case at all. You remember more and more, and it's always so visceral. Every injury, every heartache, every death. And I remember every single second of it. You hate it. I can feel you hating it from across the room. I don't hate it. But? It's not very Oscar, is it? How the hell would I know? Goodbye, Dorian. (sighs) Goodbye? Goodbye. Big finish. We love stories. Out. On Wednesday the 12th of October, a new Doctor Who adventure for Peter Davison and Mark Strickson. That's right, Doctor Who, The Memory Bank and Other Stories features four stories written by Chris Chapman, Paul Mars, Eddie Robson and Ian Potter involving the Fifth Doctor and Turlow. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. What's all this then? What are you two up to? Hiding in the bushes to ambush the unwary? Mrs. Turner, you didn't have to tell. And I'm the doctor. And your name's Lara. How do you know? Don't hurt you. Transmat powering up. Doctor, you are not leaving me here. I remember. It is not our way. The hungerers give nothing to the world and we take nothing from them. We're not going inside some rough old pub. <laughs> Come along, friend Turlo. Why do you want the storyteller anyway? Are you kidding? 
Look at us. But it's led me to three different TARDISes. We're perfectly nice and reasonable people, actually! Oh, no. I've just realised something. Where are you going? Down to the village, before it's too late. Here we go again. Doctor Who. The Memory Bank and Other Stories. Big Finish. We love stories. And there we have it, the Big Finish news. Short, sweet, straight to the point. But now it is over, etc. Full stop. Well, and now it's time for the Big Finish emails. That's right, and the first up here we have an email following the subject line, I get the message. Peter, smiley face. That's right, it was from Peter Ware, deputy editor of Doctor Who magazine. Yes, we rather gave him a hard time, didn't we, in the last podcast? We did. I feel feel bitterly sorry. I'd just like to take this opportunity to apologise on behalf of my family. Friends. And, uh, and, and friends. My, yeah, my, I my dog. Prince then for a moment, sorry. <laughs> I, I want to apologise on behalf of the artist formerly known as Prince. Yes. Um, uh, for, we'll probably have to apologise for saying that. That's probably in very bad taste. It is. The poor fellow is no longer with us. Um, but anyway, that's just the nature of a big finished podcast. <laughs> anyway, poor sorry, taste. Peter. It's, Peter, for those of you who didn't hear last week's podcast, Peter made a passing remark to me. Uh, the Friday before we recorded, so you never mentioned the uh, podcast address, which we do at least three times, and so we mentioned it about three thousand times in that podcast, together with saying his name very loudly, repeatedly, which we thought was a real hoot. It was really funny. It was a right little giggle, but uh, but actually, in retrospect, it it was harassment. Y- yes, it was. Um, I think that uh, Peter's uh, taking legal action and. Um, and uh, probably uh, the police may arrive during this podcast. Yeah, they're outside. They're outside, Nick. Um, uh, uh, Mr. Briggs! <laughs> come out with your hands up! He's doing the I, podcast! I can't... Uh, just now... I just, and anyway, you sound like a, a really rubbish supporting <laughs> actor in a big Finnish production. <laughs> so I'm not coming to the door until you get, I don't know... Someone really good, like Tom Baker. Get Tom Baker to come and arrest me, and then I'll come out with my hands up. Dressed as a policeman. Careful, careful, I might explode. (laughs) It's Tom Baker, I better go. (laughs) Well, this is absolute merriment, but now I think I want to read another email, (laughs) if that's okay with you, Nick and Tom. I think it'll be best. Yes. So that's fine. (laughs) Right, okay. Uh, This one's from Alan Jope. Uh, Dear Nick and Co, that sounds like a jewellery company, Um, I haven't written in a while but have enjoyed the recent podcast enormously. I've been a fan of Big Finish since, oh no it isn't, thank you very much for everything you do. Thank you Nick for my all time favourite line in Sword of Orion, standing around arguing of the state of flaws. That's right, it makes me laugh every time. I'm looking forward to meeting Nick at L. I who in November. Is that right? That's Long Island who. Oh, Long yeah. Island who, of course, yeah. yeah. It's a convention. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is in Long Island, New York. Correct. Yeah, there we go. I've, well, that's my geography skills, guys. I have, <laughs> <laughs> I've got it right. Um, yeah, I've well always done. thought yeah. that the BBC books missed out on something. In an early tortured episode, Captain Jack states that he... he 
us waiting for the right doctor. I presume that's is, in the ears. Probably, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's important. It's miss, miss, you know, a bit of typing errors. But, but you, thanks for drawing attention to the Alan's typing. Problem. Yeah, but you, you never know. He could be being really witty. It, it could be an entirely witty, in, deliberate typo. But anyway, we'll assume it isn't. Uh, there, could, <laughs> there could have been a book series Sorry, with Alan. Captain Jack almost meeting earlier Doctors or investigating the aftermath of the Doctor's adventures, such as an investigating the House of the Dragon in Talons of Wen Chiang. This could lead to an encounter with Jago and Lightfoot, or even Strax. Can you imagine an alien invasion that Torchwood, Countermeasures and Unit all show up to investigate? To many more adventures. Thank you, Alan Jope, Belmont, New Hampshire, USA. Oh, well, thank you, Alan. Um, and goodness me, oh no it isn't, was the first ever thing Big Finish did. The, um, it was the first Bernie Summerfield adventure that I uh, directed and was in as well. Uh, goodness me, had Nicholas Courtney and Mark Gatiss in it. Oh, just think back to those times. And we were in a sort of dingy little basement studio, in inverted commas, uh, somewhere near Elephant and, Elephant and Castle in London. It was called Intergalactic Arts. It was, there was nothing intergalactic about it. <laughs> intergalactic Damp might have been a, a better name for it. Uh, anyway, yeah. but who would have um, thought? You know that years, years later, all this time later, you're now still talking about it. You know, it's who, crazy. It, it is crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's eighteen, eighteen or nineteen years ago. We did that. Oh dear! I just thought, you know, just think what age you would have been then. This is the funny thing, isn't it, Benji? Because there's like thirty years between us. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm quite a youngster. In fact, I'm 25 next month, everybody. Be my, well, sil- my silver anniversary. 55. I'll be as old as Silver Nemesis. Just think <laughs> about that. How exciting. Well, not Silver Nemesis now, but, you know, I'm, I'm just remembering my VHS release, which had this wonderful sort of silver uh, cover. But, yeah, <clears throat> so... Wonderful, I'll be having... Say. Yeah, it was... <laughs> It's awful. <laughs> I enjoyed it in, in, my, oh, well. my, in my walk. The cover on it, obviously. Yeah, I like. I love, have you ever seen the um, behind the scenes bit at the end? No, what's that? Oh, it's fab. It's this like I think it's Australian behind the scenes uh, documentary. Oh, yeah, but there's yeah. this great bit with David Banks holding a coat hanger uh, in rehearsals, sort of threatening everybody uh, in, uh, you know, uh, taking it seriously because it's a rehearsal. But yeah, if, if you've not seen it, dig out the VHS. And watch David Banks with a uh, coat hanger going up to Sylvester McCoy. It's, it's superb. I've, I have got it. And I have got a VHS player that I haven't switched on in about five years. I Did you know, really quickly, sorry to sidetrack mm. this. This is important, Nick. And I, This I, is a sidetrack of a sidetrack. This is a sidetrack yeah. of a sidetrack, but it is important. Yes. Did you know, apparently, you can access teletext from recorded VHS by clicking is- teletext? Good lord! Yeah, and but it you can't interact with it surely because it doesn't exist anymore. Apparently, apparently, this is what I read. I'm not testing. This sounds like an urban myth to me. Apparently, no. Apparently, people. While you're watching it, you can phone up people who are dead who are in it. You know. (laughs) Well, if it's if it's a recorded. I spoke to Patrick Troughton the other day during Web of Fear. How is he? He's dead. Oh, <laughs> disappointing. Um, yes. but, but yeah, if you so say you've recorded like something, I don't know, EastEnders like 1987 or something, 
you can click text and it will have the teletext of that day on there, apparently. Oh, I understand that. You mean an off-air recording. I thought you were saying of your your BBC VHS. No, no, of, no, of, no, no. That would be good, though. Silver it? Nemesis. You could access teletext. I thought, well, how I can sort of see the sense of a, a domestic recording that would have that information embedded in it. I sort of see the sense of that. It's interesting, anyway. For, for anybody yeah. out there who is mildly interested in boring things, uh, you might <laughs> enjoy that. By the way, who was the writer of uh, Silver Nemesis? Who was the writer of Silver Nemesis? It's a very yeah, good come point. on, since you're such a big fan of it. I've got the DVD over there. Isn't it Kevin someone? Um, oh, I could get the DVD. I'm sat down, though. I'm just going to Google uh, it. Okay. Because I met him at a Doctor Who convention. He was a nice chap, but uh, he got thrown out of the Doctor Who convention for uh, undesirable behaviour. Wow. <laughs> it was Kevin <laughs> Clark. Kevin Clark, yeah, yeah, he, that's right. And he said to me, he, he said, uh, don't worry, Nick. He said, I've been thrown out of better joints than this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't throw him out. It was the organiser. I think it was Andrew Beach. He got thrown out. Uh, I don't know. I think he um, I think he and a bunch of other people sort of invaded the stage for a panel that wasn't scheduled. And uh, the organisers rather took against this. Oh, and that's right. They, oh gosh, I remember now. I had a walkie-talkie because I was part of the organisation I was doing interviews. And he took it off me and um, started screaming things down through the walkie-talkie. So all these walkie-talkies around the convention were sort of, I can't tell you what he said because it's just all a bit too rude and inappropriate. But yeah, you know, people were standing near children or whatever and the walkie-talkie was firing out all this kind of... And people think, what's he saying? Oh, yeah. So they didn't look... Um, they politely asked him to leave for fear that he would do something else. What a loose cannon. Yeah, he was... Very entertaining. Seemed like a nice chap. I've no idea what's happened to him now. Let's just hope he's listening to the podcast. And we'll write in to podcast at bigfinish.com. <laughs> uh, let me just drag this back to the point, which is Alan Jope. Hi, Alan. We haven't forgotten about you. Uh, with regard to your ideas about, um, yeah, doing Torchwood with earlier Doctors Just Missed and with Jago and Lightfoot and Strax and, and Countermeasures and Unit... Sounds like maybe just put the Daleks and Cybermen and the Draconians and the Ogrons and the uh, uh, and o Omega as well. They could all be in it too. No, I'm taking the Mickey. But anyway, that that's um that is, we'll bear those ideas in mind, Alan. I'll I'll see you in in November, Li Who, and you can um, gently mock me. Uh, now, uh, for obvious reasons, I particularly like this next email. It's from Barbara Cagle or Cagle. It's C-A-G-L-E, so sorry, sorry, Barbara. Uh, dear Big Finish team, I'm a fan of The Prisoner and couldn't really see anyone but Patrick McGowan in the role, so I was loath to order the reimagined Prisoner. But after hearing the account of the gentleman who met Patrick McGowan in the cinema, uh, that's Shane Dunphy, isn't it? Uh, and the then the excerpts on the podcast, I went ahead and purchased Volume 1 and I'm very glad I did! Mark Elstob is brilliant and hits just the right note. He plays number six, by the way. Also, love the village voice. That's Helen Goldwyn who played that. If only I could get ringtones of Helen Goldwyn saying good morning and telling me what a beautiful day it is. Looking forward to volume two, Barb. Ah, oh, that's really nice. Now, you fell into our trap because we put, we put these extracts of stories on the end in the hope that people will go, oh, that's interesting. I might buy that. I mean, also as a bit of fun as well. Um, so oh, that's brilliant news. 
Uh, I must say, uh, I may have said it before, I'm, I'm not sure, but when we announced we were doing The Prisoner, it, I believe, had the most hostile reaction anything we'd ever announced had had, uh, which was, of course, quite uh, demoralising for me. Um, uh, but uh, Rick from the Unmutual, the um, uh, prisoner, one of the prisoner fan groups, uh, he, he really bolstered my... Um, confidence and said it's fine I, I gave him the scripts and he read them and he said oh this is really good mate and don't worry and you know so uh it was difficult but then i was rewarded by the fact that uh, most people i'm sure there are some people who listened to it and thought oh no no it's it's not patrick McGoon. but most people who listened to it kind of sort of saw what we were getting at and and you know that it was possible to reimagine the prisoner in this way and do it with love so anyway i think thanks, i think Barbara. people always feel defensive of yeah, things that they rightly. love you know legacies of, of, of things so well i'd have felt exactly if it if it hadn't have been me producing it i would have felt exactly the same as a fan of the prisoner i would have thought is that a good idea what are you doing and you know and i can't explain why it turned out to be a good idea i just believed in it really yeah there you go so so wisdom from mr briggs there if you believe <laughs> if you believe you can do anything could, and we will be oh, selling God. that I think on T-shirts, accident- mugs. <laughs> I've accidentally started a religion on the podcast. <laughs> I am not the Messiah. He's the oh, Archbishop I'm of Peladon, into so though. much, so much trouble. That's a quote from Life of Brian. Okay. Apologies for uh, offending anyone's religious sensibilities. There, I'm just being irreverent and possibly very inappropriate. It's <laughs> <laughs> what we're best at, really, isn't it? <laughs> And finally, the final email now, moving swiftly on, swiftly at a brisk pace. Uh, this is from Lee Wood. Ahoy there, Nick and Benji. Lee Ahoy! Mr. We should have that as our opening thing now, should we go? Ahoy! Ahoy! <laughs> With a little sort Arr! of... J- <laughs> With a little sort of jig, you know. Arder, mate. Welcome to the Big Finish podcast. Yeah, we could do a pirate podcast, couldn't we? Ha-ha! <laughs> All you pirates out there, pirating Big Finish, here we are, Arr. you scurvy lads. So grab your rum, grab your rum, sit back on the poop deck and listen out. Arr. No pooping on the poop deck. Yeah, please, it's health and safety. <laughs> anyway. Sorry, yes. Back to Lee, sorry. Back to Lee, yes. Um, I wanted to write about how much I enjoyed Doom Coalition 3. Absent Friends in particular was excellent. It caught me a bit of uh, it caught me a bit by surprise, being so poignant and sensitive, and I had an embarrassing tear in my eye whilst listening to it on the train. It stayed with me for the rest of the week and it's up there with the best of your productions. John Dorney, Matt Fitton, Benji, Jamie Robertson, and Ken Bentley should be given the Doctor Who equivalent of a knighthood for this box set. Just want to jump in there and say David Richardson as well, because Richardson oh, yeah, is yeah. a supreme mastermind as well. Well, David and Ken were the ones who came up with the whole Doom Coalition idea. And it's, it's great. It's just getting b- bigger and bigger and better and better, really. The, the heat is on. Paul McGann has never been better, and Hattie Morahan ha- and Nicola Walker are perfect in their roles. What a cliffhanger! Exclamation mark. I've also got a request slash suggestion. Is there full a- stop? Full stop. Is there? A- <laughs> it gets. It becomes a an addiction, doesn't it? 
Is there a chance that the subscriber special short trip stories could be made available to listen to through the app, please? Just imagine, exclamation <laughs> mark. The app is marvellous. It's made it so much easier to listen to the back catalogue and has enhanced the whole Big Finish experience. Thanks and well done. I really enjoyed the Mike Tucker and Rob Perry BBC novels with the Seventh Doctor and Ace, such as Illegal Alien, Matrix, etc. Do you have any Do you have any plans to adapt this set of novels? I think that they would translate perfectly well to audio, and they are cracking stories. I'm loving your output this year so far, and looking forward to the releases in the next few months. Brackets and beyond. Full stop. Cheers, Lee. Note. Now then, you didn't. Um uh, you didn't say f uh, close brackets. Uh, yes, and I've made a little note here. We must big up John Dorney, who wrote Absent Friends. Big up um, John Dorney, mate. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, uh, people have noted that, you know, he's he's interviewed on Doom Coalition 3 about it, and, you know, he talks about how his father died and this um, inspired him to write the episode. And uh, uh, and John and I chatted about it yesterday, actually, uh, you know, and talked about... I won't, I won't spoil the story of Absent Friends, but, you know... It, the thing he imagined in the wake of his father dying was something that uh, also, you know, I'm not wishing to trivialise what happened to him. I said, but I think it's quite a common thing because my mother and I experienced exactly the same thought uh, about, well, I won't say, um, you know, about about that issue. And I said, I think I, I even, the idea on which Absent Friends is based, I, I even was going to write a stage play uh, as a sort of thriller based on that idea at the time, but never got around to it because it was sort of too raw for me. So I'm very admiring of John, just generally anyway, as a fantastic writer, but for his ability to have written that so soon after his father's death, I don't think I could have quite uh, managed that emotional journey. It was too difficult for me, but I think he's done, he's really, uh, you know, op opened up his emotions to the listeners and it's brilliant. That, I mean, we've received so many emails about this and there's so many comments online generally. So, yeah, well done, John Dorney. He just does the most fantastic work for us. As Tom Baker noted, clang, to me yesterday. You still there, Tom? Yes, I'm still over here, Nick. Will you let me into a rescue? <laughs> Sorry, Tom, no. Um, I, <laughs> he said to me yesterday that he said, you know, how much he adored John Dorney. And he said he particularly adored the fact that we just rib him mercilessly. And he doesn't, uh, he just doesn't react. And he's just, uh, and the thing about John Dorney that we noted, and I hope he's listening, is that I have never heard him say a bad word about anyone. You know, even under the most intense provocation, he is just such a positive force. He's a so, lovely man. He's got, he's got an energy around him. I think that, that when, when you meet him, you, you kind of, I don't know, you kind of feel like you've got a bit of a spring in your step. He's just, he brings a lot to, you know to everything really I mean like me he's a talker he can he can you know talk behind legs off a donkey like me um so you know it's a bit of a clash between John and I really because we occupy the same space in a room you know what I mean the person who's talking a lot uh but he's a lovely guy so smart does such brilliant work and a great actor he's just amazing as Adam in the Omega Factor uh, working alongside Lou Jameson anyway there you are uh, I, I'm making it my mission to big up someone from Big Finish on every podcast. Who will it be next time? Who knows? Just quickly going back there to Absent Friends, actually. I mm. when I I think it must have been the last time I saw John Dorney, actually. 
Um, I just finished the effects edit for for um, Absent Friends, and it's one of those things. I read the script anyway, and and I thought this is really powerful stuff. And you sometimes get a bit nervous when you when you touch things like a script. As you read it, you think this is such a good script. Whatever you know, I do to this, it's it's got to live up to the expectations. I don't know. It's 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 what you read in your head. But anyway, so I'd, I'd finished the effects edit and. Um, and I saw John Dorney at the it was uh, the Doctor Who magazine uh, celebration party. Yeah, 500th issue. Yeah. And I, I said, so I said, went up to him and I said, oh, um, you know, I've finished this. Uh, and I had no idea about the backstory of, of why why you know he'd written it that way. And uh, yeah, it just blew me away. And it, it just yeah, you can. And then I went back actually and listened to it again. And you can feel that raw energy in there. It's quite, it's like you say, it's quite wonderful. But yeah, I just, it's, it's a privilege actually to, to mm. work on such a story because it's yeah. like anything, you want to do the best you can for it really. So John Dorney, bigging you up here and to Matt Fitton as well because the yeah. two of you masterminded a fantastic box set, if I do say so myself. Yeah. It's going going down so well. Brilliant work, brilliant work. And you know, one of those things when you work on very emotionally real things like that, as when you're working on it, like doing the music or doing the editing, you want you desperately don't want to trivialise it in some way. I mean, I'm working on the next series of Survivors at the moment, and there's some really heavy, important emotional issues in it. You know, and the, you have to resist the temptation to uh, generalise the emotions with a bit of music. Sometimes with the really emotional stuff you just need to leave it clear of anything and just let the words and the actors do the work you know survivors is so raw it's so yeah, is that, yeah. i recommend well, i that. know you you've done the editing on it haven't you and i'm currently putting music on it but yeah i always say i mean i'm because i'm going up to uh dimensions in newcastle this weekend the convention mm, well it will it will, have already, it will have already happened. been yeah so yeah. So speaking to you from so the I'm very sorry to... about the terrible things that you did you just went crazy in the bar yeah, topless oh, again I burnt the hotel to the ground you know jumped into <laughs> the the river Tyne uh, without armbands um, it was ballistic <laughs> <laughs> but um, <laughs> go back to my that's outrageous yeah you. I know Tom sorry sorry next time could you lend me your armbands and maybe a snorkel okay Oh, cheers, Tom. Oh, well. um, but yeah, I always He's find nice, uh, all the events I've done, I speak to, there's two bunches of people. There's the people, the small amount of people that have listened to Survivors and just say this is like the most powerful stuff. It's it's hard-hitting stuff. Some people say it's like the most hard-hitting big finish you've ever sort of attempted to do. I think it, I think it is, certainly listening to the latest one. <laughs> it pushes some boundaries, it really does. But also there's, there's another group of people who have never heard it and are quite um, unsure about whether to go for it. They're, they think, you know, they've said, I don't know, I'm not, not entirely sure whether it's for me. But I, I would say, and I always try to recommend it, it's very difficult because we've got so many things that I think people get tempted to listen to other stuff. But... Um, just give it a go. Give Survivors a go. Um, we've got the first episode for free, I still believe, up on the website. So give it a go. Jump in, see what you think, and it could be for you. But it's definitely, if you like hard-hitting, gritty drama, and get your teeth into that, because it's good. Yes, that's a heartfelt recommendation. Okay, that's the end of the emails. Goodbye, emails. Time now for the mysterious guest star interview. 
no idea. (laughs) Just no idea. Listen, whatever. You know more than me. It's so dramatically ironic. Uh, Here it is. When you say beard a lion in his den, or beard a... What does it mean? Where does it come from? It, uh, that's a very good point. And how does it relate to a Somebody beard? asked me yesterday. I, I would beard the don. I'll beard the don in his den. That, yes, I had that's that right. You say, yeah. What does it? Where does it beard come from? It means kind of. It means kind of get them and overcome them. Doesn't yes. It? yes, I know what but it means. Why? But what's the yes, origin exactly. of it? Why beard? And why? I don't know. Yeah. Well, you join us in the middle of a very interesting (laughs) discussion with uh, Maureen O'Brien and Peter Purvis, and we're talking about the word beard. But anyway, (laughs) the interesting thing for me, but not for you two, is that when I recorded the front and the back of this podcast, I had no idea who was going to be interviewed because I didn't know whether I was coming here today or not. So so the surprise is that it's Maureen O'Brien and Peter Purvis. Hello. Hello, Hello, Nick. (laughs) Good to see you. Welcome to your studio. Thank you. Now, in a a blatant attempt to make this all about me, (laughs) um, when, uh, when, we'll take it in terms, can you remember when uh, we met? Maureen, can you remember when we met? Well, um, when you first arrived today, I was thinking about it. We were on a train, weren't we? That's true. Do you remember? Yes. We were on a train and I was going to... was it before my first? Um, it was the the story about um, frost frost fire, wasn't That's it? Right. Frost fire, yeah, yeah. and it was my first introduction to all this world yeah. of big finish and Doctor Who CDs, yes. wasn't it? it well, it, yes, it was the first thing. And you did, um, and we chatted. When on did the train. I meet you on the way back from doing? Yeah, it? because you'd been doing it, and I was buzzing around. But I did, don't think I said hello, and I only really said hello on the way back. On the way back, yeah. and we had a wonderful train journey coming back from where? Brighton? Mm. No. no, somewhere north of London. I don't or, remember or where it was. We came back into Liverpool Street. That's all I remember. Oh, east then. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't know. Yeah, but see, anyway, but I do remember sitting in this railway carriage and having a, a hilarious time and very nice. And, uh, and a result that. of that, I changed all my plans for something I was working on oh. uh, to make the lead cam- character female uh, oh. to get you to come and do it, which was that dark. Oh, it thing. was that um, where I played the general of um, a galaxy or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Oh, yes. And I had to With a very and... deep voice like this. <laughs> <laughs> and I came round to convince you that it was worth doing, even though you hate science fiction. Ah, right. I was still in those days when I was being snooty about science fiction. You're not snooty anymore. No, no, because um, you're the only people who employ me anymore, basically. (laughs) And I love being here. And I love, I just love it. When you come to this studio, all your past life comes in in, in, there. John Rowe is in the, the one today, the wonderful John Rowe whom I worked with for years and years and years in radio and adore, absolutely adore. And I couldn't believe I was going to see him. And he comes in, not to mention seeing Peter Purvis every time I come. <laughs> we have fun and with Russell, you know, um, yeah. up to now. And it's just wonderful. I mean, it's and the people here are so good and the scripts are so good and the lunches are out of this world, as everybody <laughs> knows. Toby is yeah. just... Toby is just incredible. Yes, so, he runs the studio. Uh, for me, this is heaven. Absolutely heaven doing this. Uh, 
I can only meet. endorse all that, to be honest. But I was, I was racking my brain, actually, trying to think where we first met. And I have a sneaky feeling, and you'll correct me if I'm wrong, but that it was at my house in Northamptonshire. It was. And I was you came to do... You came, <laughs> you, yes, I don't live there anymore. So it was a long time ago, because I, I left there 16, nearly 17 years ago. Wow. Um, and it was a good two years before that. So, you know, it's almost 20 years ago. And you came to do a film... An interview. An interview you, yeah, sort yeah. of film. Myth makers, it was called. Yes, I, I, and it was it was it ended up as being a, things that they don't have anymore, wasn't it? A cassette. Yeah, uh, yeah. a VHS a video cassette. cassette. VHS cassette, yes. I remember. I haven't looked at it for years. Mine, I haven't got a VHS player anymore. So I've yes. <laughs> oh, isn't it awful? Put it on That's DVD. A terrible loss. But uh, yes, I mean, I, I remember that. But we, we met several times before I made the connection. And it was long. I knew it was long before I did the big finish things because I I didn't. I came very late to big finish, and it was it, uh, like Maureen says. It's just such a delight. The the thing that's been the biggest pleasure about it for me is the first one that I did. I was talking to to David about this uh, earlier today. That th th there were lines in the script where I would do something that the doctor said, and then I said the doctor. So it was almost a narration, but I did my attempt as an impersonation of it. And so they dropped the said the doctor lines when from so scripts. Yes, which which was very flattering to me. I was, I was very pleased. But the nice thing about it is that as I've got better at it, or as I've done more of it, I don't know if I have got better at it, I, I really don't. But as I've done more of it, the writers have realized that they can write for the doctor and put lines in. So I'm, I'm this script that we've done this time nearly killed me yesterday. I was, I was in the studio all afternoon doing my scenes and they were all peppered with masses of the Doctor. I had such a sore throat last night. I was straight over to Sainsbury's and got a throat spray. <laughs> I, I sprayed it three or four times during the night. You know, I woke up in bed, I was going to squirt the throat. And it's okay, as you can hear, I can, I can actually talk today. But it's, it's been absolutely lovely. And meeting Maureen again, I mean, we did the first one of these together, what, oh, seven, God, eight, yes. nine, ten years ago? A long, I mean, time, a long ago. time ago. A long and it's time. been an absolute joy, and I look forward to it every time. Mm. And uh, this one is, we've got another one next week, which is absolutely wonderful too, so we're working again then. Yes. And um, David was saying that uh, we have the joy of another two to come. Yeah. Which is wonderful. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, you know, they're sequential. I'm not sure that the stories are in any way similar, but they do link. And so it's it's a series of four, and I'm looking forward to when we get the scripts. Lovely. Me too. It's quite thrilling for me to sit here and see you both smiling and being very <laughs> happy about it. Well, it's so it's fun. It, it it really is fun. We laugh a lot. Oh, it's wonderful. You know, I mean, I, I you know, Billy Hartnell was notorious for for fluffing his lines. I, I wouldn't dream of fluffing his lines on on the script. <laughs> no, you know, that's no. going too far. I, know, trying I to do be think it's not quite true to life, actually, Peter. Though. No, you no. Know, I do <laughs> think you ought to put in the odd. Uh, should, should put in, but I, I, there's a wonderful name in this. There's Professor Kotlovsky in this, and, and this morning when I was doing the recording, I, I said I can't remember how the lines are under the tutelage of Professor Kotlovsky, and, <laughs> and Paul Lisa Bowman, who was directing, cut in and said, "No, it's Kotlovsky." I said, "No, I'm doing it like Bill." <laughs> Yes, you should have thought of three or four different alternatives I'm you sure. could have said at various points <laughs> of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, before we continue, I just want to check something on my recorder. Oh, no. 
Yeah, I definitely had it on the right setting. I was just, I was just fretting. I was just fretting. It yes, was disturbing yes. me. I'm yes. seeing a nervous look was coming over you. Yeah, yeah, I, I couldn't work out why. Yes. So I shut up. <laughs> okay, everything's fine. Um, now, there are two questions I ask people in the podcast, aside from just saying hi and when do we meet and all that nonsense. Um, one is, it relies on, have you ever listened to any big finish? That's a, a key thing. Have you ever listened to it? Yes? No? My own and yeah. one or two others, but any, not many. Any that particularly agitated your molecules that you liked? You know? Well, I, I, it's like it's interesting you said to Maureen, you know, you're trying to persuade her to do a different thing when she first started doing Big Finish, which wasn't playing Vicky, it was just playing a character, not liking science fiction. I don't either. And um, I mean, I, I felt perhaps I ought to listen to some of the Sherlock because I thoroughly enjoyed the later series when it came on on television. I thought, well, that's really good. Um, but to be honest, I haven't. And one of the reasons is I tend only to listen to the uh, CDs in the car. That It's a perfect way to listen. And my car doesn't have a CD player anymore. Uh -huh. I've just changed my car. I don't have that. So I've not listened to anything for about four months. Uh, I've now got myself a CD player for my computer. I've got a Mac, so that doesn't have, you know, the whole thing's the screen is the computer could, and everything. let you have some downloads. So, oh, well, there's a thing, but the download speed, it would take about five years to download. So the, I, I've got the worst download speed in, in, in the country. My, my, I think we get about three meg, and that is absolutely hopeless. It's that's, terrible. I live in the sticks. Having, no, I, I live out in the sticks. It's desperate. So when you're trying to download stuff, I've often downloaded stuff, and they come into the download box, and you can see that they're starting to download, and they never complete. And you've got to download this again and try. Eventually, you get a time when the signal is slightly faster, and Why it downloads. Don't we? Get a memory stick, because uh, you've got you could put that in your kit, and we could put all your stories on a memory stick for you and give that to you. Can Listen, we? I'll buy that. That's wonderful. No, we could just give it. To yeah, you, no, no, I didn't mean that. <laughs> I'm not paying for it. Using this that would be twenty-five <laughs> pounds. Yeah. Thank you very much. I yeah. would love that. I really would love that. There, Thank you. Now, are there any particular ones that you've heard that? Yeah, I, I loved the trilogy that I did with. Um, oh. For goodness sake, oh, it's, this is the most awful thing in interviews. The, the memory goes, it, it's like when you do a celebrity quiz show and suddenly the mind goes totally blank. It's absolutely terrible. Um, oh. Do we have to ask David Richardson? We're going to have to. Okay, I'm going to ask him. Hold on. Thank you. Uh, David? David Richardson? Is he? I need him desperately. David, David, quicker. <laughs> I'm recording and there's no editing. Uh, David, uh, Peter Purvis would like to know the name of a production. Well, could I'm you in, could you describe King's it? Cross. Oh. Road. It's not Peter, could you describe yes, to David the, what the, you can't The trilogy. I, I wanted to name the, 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 the actor who did that, that wonderful trilogy with me. It was Tom Allen. Tom Allen, thank you. As Oliver Harper, and it was the, the perpetual bond, the perpetual bond, the cold equations, and the third one that <laughs> I've forgotten. Well, I think you've done you've done a lot better than Peter. Thank you very so. There we are, Tom Allen, <laughs> yeah. and uh, he played uh, this wonderful character Oliver in, in, in a trilogy, um, 
which I think something equations is awful, isn't it? You just don't remember that. You the, enjoyed the, that one. I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a terrific trilogy. It worked like that. I loved one called The Anachronauts I did with Jeannie Marsh, and I've loved everything I've done with Maureen. And there's a couple in the pipeline which are due to come out, which are going to be sensational. These new adventures are something else. They really are. The, the scripts are just tremendous. Oh, and the one that we've completed today has been one of the most pleasant to work on and one of the most interesting scripts. They're very literary, aren't they, the two boys who wrote it? It's uh, It's got some wonderful um, references, which yes. I didn't get first time I read it, but no. my word, they're good. Hidden jokes. And um, as you go along and you realise um, what the references are, uh, it gets more and richer and richer. It does. You know? So the second time you listen to it, you'll you'll know all that and you'll have this enormous richness and you'll probably find a few more references fantastic yeah that's the those are the best kind of stories though aren't they when when you can experience them more than once mm. are there any big finishes you've listened to or you do not listen i have never listened to one and i never watch my own performances and i and i don't know why i've got them all there you know on the shelf next to my desk and i look at them and i think i've got to listen to some of these one of these days but actually, Nick, I do not have time. I literally don't have time. And I don't drive. And anyway, I don't think we've got a CD player either in the car now. <laughs> I don't drive. And I, um, I don't know. I keep saying one of these days, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to listen to listen all to these. Listen to your portfolio. <laughs> but you know, one of the reasons I don't watch um, past performances is because they're on VHS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know how to get them made into DVDs or anything like that. I would love to have them on DVD. Even though you won't watch them? Oh, I would watch them if they were on DVD, I think. Right. Yeah. Oh, we've got the machinery there. The yeah. telly doesn't work. I can't put a VHS into the... If I had an old telly, yeah. which is not digital that I could shove things into, I would watch all yeah. the I would watch all the videos. I don't, I don't know I, how the BBC archive works, but they, they do have all sorts of things on DVD. Yes, I know, and, I could and, get and, or, or we'll put things on DVD, but whether they'll do that for you without charging you an awful lot of money, oh, they I won't. don't know. No, they won't. Um, I've had one or two things, but I did a programme with the archives looking for the missing episodes uh, uh, of Doctor Who. Fascinating going there, and they, they rewarded me with, with th three DVDs of old programmes. I used to do a sports programme after I did Blue Peter, years on, uh, called Stopwatch, and I'd never seen one because we did it live. Yes. And you couldn't read, didn't record them, and those days, mm. so I mean, it, it was impossible. So I, 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 I got a DVD of one, two episodes, I think, of Stopwatch, and it was fascinating because I didn't remember them at all. And mm. you sort of watching, so, but I would watch, and I always did watch when I could. Most of the things I did were live, but if it wasn't, I did try to watch because that was one way I learned. I thought, oh, oh I, I mustn't do that. That's, you know, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Oh, it's just so long since I did it. Oh, yeah, no, I don't. Oh, I'm, no, I... And when, I'm I not nostalgic. I'm not I don't complaining think you or anything, either. Nick, or throwing out any hints to anyone in the world who may be listening to this, <laughs> but it is a long time since I acted in vision. I have, you know, I love doing audio stuff. It's my favourite, favourite thing, really. Uh, always has been, but, um, no, I'm just... <laughs> I'm not moaning. Um... <laughs> <laughs> um Okay. Not at all. No, I always watched at the time because, I mean, one of the things that Doctor Who uh, in the 60s was so wonderful for as a young actor, almost straight out of drama school, 
you had an opportunity to watch what you were doing. I mean, how many kids, nowadays I suppose lots and lots, but in those days it was rare, you know. I, I, Every I saw Saturday very few of the ones I did. Oh, really? Yeah. I watched I was, like I was a often hawk. Busy all my on thoughts. a Saturday night. You know, I mean, I, going to events and things. And oh. I, I found that I, I missed an awful lot of them. Oh. The, the massacre, which is my favourite story of all, it was after you'd left, unfortunately, but it really is my absolute favourite story that I did in the show. I'd never seen anything of. Oh. Four episodes, and I've not seen any, and none exist. So I never will see it. It's very sad, really. Oh, I wouldn't miss them because I was, thought, don't want anyone else seeing all my faults when I ha <laughs> haven't seen them myself. Mm. And all sorts of things. I mean, you can imagine... Um, I was so innocent, and you think, oh, I mustn't do that anymore. You know, I mustn't look like that anymore, and I mustn't do this, and I mustn't do that. And actually, I look at it later, you know, I've looked at it later, and you think, it's so charming. Why does she want to change anything yes, about yes, that? Yes. She was so sweet. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but and no, no one likes really what... They what you really how you portray look, yourself. No, nobody, uh, the first how you time talk to, once you, you get anything. used to seeing yourself yeah. especially when it's a shock yeah yeah because yeah it's, it's like hearing yourself hearing yourself my god that doesn't sound like me yes it yes does. Mm. <laughs> and you just get used to it basically. yes you think, oh that's yeah. what the rest of the world hears yes, yes. but it's another reason for hiding behind the sofa you know <laughs> not wanting to see yourself in all your glory <laughs> and finally the other question i ask is about What's agitating your molecules? I don't know, I've come up with this, this strange <laughs> phrase. Um, in entertainment generally, like either a book or a play or a film or a TV series, something you particularly are enjoying at the moment? I know what he's going to say. What are you going to say? Well, uh, you, you're going to think I'm going to say a particular film. Yes. Which I did. It's, it's the latest Woody Allen Cafe Society, which I love, which Maureen didn't. Um, that, did you have that a was huge fine. argument about this earlier then? No, no, no we, <laughs> we, we, no, just, we just disagreed. We agreed to disagree. We, we'd never I think it's anyway. a mildly amusing film, and yeah. we had a mild disagreement. I just, it, I, I just thought it was beautiful to look at, and I loved the characters. I thought the characters were tremendous. I thought his casting was absolutely spot on. It was it was one of those films which I thought this is Woody getting back towards his very best. And you saw this in the cinema? I saw it know? in the cinema, oh. yeah, and I, I, I really loved it. But uh, no, I mean, things that I, I enjoy some of the thriller serials on television. I've just started watching Paranoid at the moment, which is on ITV and it's rather good. And I watched a, a very good four post. It's just started. It's on, on Thursdays oh. and it runs opposite. It's on at the same time as The Fall, wow. uh, which uh, I'm delighted to see back. Having watched the first episode, though, I'm very confused. I can't remember the first series well enough to know what, what all of what I'm watching. So I need to research back a little bit. But I, I like those. And there have been programs which I hope will come back Scott and Bailey I thought was a great series and things like that um, so television occupies me mostly um, yeah well the latest film that I have absolutely loved is um, a film with Isabelle Huppert it's a French film it's called The Future in in, in um, oh no it's called um, I think they call it La Future or oh, L'Avenir I can't remember one of those anyway in French and here it's called Things to Come or something like that. And she is absolutely incredible. It's a wonderful film. Um, uh, now, for television. We, the BBC, I am complaining now. I'm really moaning. We have a satellite dish in France. And the BBC are now sending out such weak signals that you can very seldom watch a BBC programme in France. It's really 
irritating. And we end up, actually, a lot of times, particularly in stormy weather, which is going to be a lot coming up, of course, um, is um, we end up watching ITV3. So I'm, there are episodes of Midsummer Murders that I know by heart. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I've discovered on ITV3 is Law and Order UK. And I really reckon it. I think it's absolutely fantastic. It's an hour, four distinct sections. It tells the story so quickly and it tells the first half from the point of view of the police and their investigation. And in that first half, they go through the investigation and they find the culprit. The second half is devoted to the Crown Prosecution Service and how they have to then build the case so yes. that they can win the case Excuse in court. Me, Bradley Walsh? Yes, yes absolutely. Yes, but, fantastic yeah, acting. Yeah fantastic speed and economy my god it could teach a lot of the other stuff dare I say Victoria which is quite stately isn't it in pace um, but very good of course um, but it could teach a lot of the other series and a lot of stuff that you see in entertainment generally something about economy and compactness and telling the story yes, and getting yeah. on with it so good well of course it's a UK version of uh an American show. Oh, is it? Yeah, Law I didn't and Order was an American show, and they've ah. and yeah, they sort of bought the format and have done a British version. Mm. Also, um, I think a lot of it, if not all of it, was run by uh, Chris Chibnall, who is going to be the new showrunner, executive producer for Doctor Who in a couple of years' time. So oh, really? Is, is it, excuse me, yeah. but is he any relation to Bernard Chibnall? I have know? no idea. Is that his dad or anything? I don't know because, because I, my I know husband Chris, worked with him. Bernard Chibnall on the on the. British National Film Catalogue in the 60s. I I I'll ask him. I would, world, and I've it? always <laughs> wondered if it's the same, whenever yeah. I've seen his name, yeah. I wonder if he's related to Bernard Jim. Mm. Anyway, I don't That's, know. Yeah. But, mm. but I saw one episode of Law and Order, U not UK, US, USA, I suppose, mm. um, the American version. I thought they'd pinched it from us. Oh, no, no, it's the other And way I thought ours was much better, I have to say. <laughs> I did. Well, thank you both very much for oh, sharing your, pleasure, your likes. Great pleasure, great pleasure as always. You must go and get your car before and they yes, we're, yes, I, the, the, And I'm the doing a reading. Will be there. I'm doing a series of readings tonight in okay. Finsbury Square, and I have to go now. Okay. I can't. I can't do a plug. No, it would be too late anyway. <laughs> it, I was going to do a plug for Maggie Wadey's book, and I got. It's too late anyway. It's the launch tonight. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah. This comes out next Monday. <laughs> Oh, that was so mysterious, Nick. Oh, yeah, there we are. Oh, I love that that bit in the middle where they they said that really witty comment about oh, something. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Absolutely. So was, I'm sorry about that embarrassing thing I did at about five minutes in. I just I don't know what came over me. Oh, anyway. you know, it was <coughs> yes. Unbelievable. Anyway, <coughs> right. So now it is time once again for our good friend Ran the Randomoid Selectatron. Ooh. So yeah. <laughs> He sounds like that, actually. He's, he's quite a funny, funny sort of chap. Um, uh, right, but yeah, come so on then. Let's, if, let's randomly select. So we're going to randomly select a uh, big finish release from the I'm archive. Quite nervous. I'm quite nervous. I'm literally nervous. Are you ner you're nervous? You're feeling uh, yeah, it? Yeah, what, what is it? Okay, it is. Here we go. <laughs> Cyberman, Scorpius. 
Oh, well, that's all right. You couldn't have picked a better one. Written by Nicholas Briggs, directed yeah. by Nicholas Briggs. There we go. I can't believe I'm bothering to look it up on the site. <laughs> that's a 2005, I know everything actually. about it. So that would have been pre-Cybermen coming back uh, in the new series. Yeah, yeah. There we go. It's yeah. It's oh, it's available for you know quite a, a nicely priced um, it's, download. It's a good um, price actually. Yeah, but um, it's also been re-released as part of a, a new box set, hasn't it? It has. With that was both last series of Cyberman. That was this year, wasn't it? This year, yeah. Yeah, big um, Cyberman it, day. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, it it uh, yes, this is the Cybermen, but without the Doctor. This was coming out round about the time uh, I was filming uh, the Age of Steel and all that, you know, the Return of the Cybermen and the new series. Yeah, because I remember I was working because David Tennant features in an uncredited part in this. Really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a bit where there's. Um, a bloke under attack on a planet, sort of radioing in for help, you know, and they're being destroyed. And and David said, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd love to do that. So he actually recorded it onto um, my answer phone. No. Yeah, that's in the days of answer phones. Yeah, that was in 2005, wasn't it? 2000, yeah, 2005 when we were filming That's that. genuinely uh, a really good nugget of information. Yeah. That is good. You can hear him in there. He is uncredited. Mind you, everyone was uncredited because I... I'd just seen Spooks and I decided to do it like Spooks with no credits. But that's also because it was really down to the wire on the recording. And um, uh, and we had to get the packaging done before the recording. Um, also, I recorded it as live. Do you know all this? No, no. Yeah, I'd, I'd uh, rehearsed and we spent a couple of days rehearsing it. And all the sound effects and music were pre-done. And then we, we rehearsed it in studio. We did two run-throughs where we fed in the music and sound effects. And all the actors were sneaking around the studio, getting in the right booth for the right scene. And I was queuing people and all this kind of stuff. And then in the evening, we invited a load of journalists around who came and sat in the green room at the old moat, which you won't have been to, it was in, it, because it doesn't exist anymore. It's just a stain on the ground. It's completely demolished. Um, and then we played it uh, uh, well, no, we, we performed it to them uh, live. No way. Yeah, yeah. And, and in post-production, you know, it was recorded as a multi-track thing. So in post-production, I did a bit of tw a bit of tweaking and some extra music. But it was sort of 95% there. And the funny thing was, of course, that in the green room, they couldn't see us performing. And they said to me afterwards, some, somebody said to me anyway, said, you know, for all we know, you were just playing us a CD. That's a compliment. But except for one thing, I hadn't realised that Toby at the studio had accidentally routed my um, intercom mic to the actors through the main output to the to the output that was going to the green room. So they kept hearing me saying, and cue John on C5, you know, and all this <laughs> kind of thing. And so they said, if it weren't for the fact that we could hear you cueing people, we would have thought that that was just the finished production. So, and then we took them all out for a drink afterwards. It was a crazy, crazy thing to do. It's because, you know, at that stage, it's hard to believe. But at that stage, we felt like we'd been doing Big Finish forever. And I was like a sort of surly kind of, you know, oh, I've done it all before. I need to do something to excite myself. And, oh, you know, uh, and so I just decided to do this mad, mad thing and, and do it as live. And, it, uh, yeah, and... Um, 
we did the other episodes as live but without all the effects we did feed in some of the effects but uh, so they were all recorded that all the episodes of the first series of Cyberman as four part four CD series were all recorded in one go with rehearsals that's superb you know? I'm going to have to listen to this back now because I sort of feel it I'll, has now a tension that, and an I'll, energy to it yeah I really want to hear that maybe I'll listen to it tomorrow on the train yeah, who, knows? who knows some great performances in there anyway so there you are um, and we forgot to say here's the trailer here's the trailer Uh, Cyberman Scorpius which is part of the uh, Cyberman release there was also a Cyberman 2 series uh, uh, Cyberman was written by me but Cyberman 2 was written by the brilliant Jim Swallow or James Swallow as he is known uh, in the broader world but we all call him Jim that's fantastic stuff though I'm really yeah I like that that was some good nuggets I'm I'm very I'm relieved I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm pleasantly surprised at that so uh, yeah so Cyberman probably worth getting the, the new re-release isn't it if you if yeah you fancy yeah it. or you can get the individual downloads if you want yeah. yeah you can do what you like frankly you know i expect some of you will pirate it aha you pirates Yarr, are don't do it don't do it don't, don't do, it. do it it's not nice it's not, it's, it's not nice. that's my new slogan piracy is not nice it's not nice don't do it uh, seriously, yeah, so all these people out there because, with these strange you know, code names for Big Finish that they uh, they think we don't know about. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> to carry on. Yes, anyway, so so that's a stern warning from Captain Briggs there of the good ship <sighs> Big Finish, uh, with with his parrots Tom Baker. Uh, <laughs> Squawk! <laughs> and away we go. Oh, that's the wrong others, Captain Pugwash. <laughs> that's also doubles as my John Pertwee. I was going to say that. The doodle doodle band. <laughs> Did you ever hear that, John Pertwee doing that advert? No, no. You're such a, you know, I thought you were a nostalgia fan there. I just splink all the time. He used to do <laughs> splink. Splink. That's his other advert for, yes, a complicated acronym for crossing the road. Stop, perforate, Link. lie on the ground, <laughs> incinerate. Norman. N- negate <laughs> and kick. <laughs> That's what splink stands for. So, the noodle doodle man was spaghetti um spaghetti hoops or something or noodle spaghetti no I don't know. I make spaghetti and I doodle cars and boats and ships and planes or something like that. Anyway. Lots of Heinz Noodle Doodle, yum yum yum, food's never been such fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this podcast was sponsored by Heinz Noodle Doodles. <laughs> I love John Pertwee. There's this great video of him on youtube on a night out in he, he goes in this night out to this german bar in london <laughs> and it's just incredible because he's just sort of this you never expect it because you see him on the screen of this sort of you know drinking wine in day of the daleks and cheese and then he's he's up there with a german military helmet singing um Roll out the barrel. It was. It's worth it. How old was he when he did this? I think this. This must have been 
just before uh, Spearhead from Space. He looks quite young. What? He does look oh, young. right. Before he filmed it, you mean? Yeah, yeah. But Not it's... during the filming. He just nipped out. When, it, when he went off in that wheelchair, <laughs> he went, to the he went straight down bar. the pub to, to sing Roll Out the Barrel with a, a German helmet on. But it's great because if you, it's just, it's worth it. Is it a German helmet? Did you say a German it's helmet? It's a German, like one of the ones with the spikes on it. Oh, from the First World War. Yeah, yeah, the First Imperial World War. Imperial German yeah. Army. Yeah. But it's worth, that's worth a look. If, if you ever fancy fantasizing a great night out with John Pertwee, <laughs> that's what it will be like. So enjoy. Oh, dear. I always remember that someone gave him a little TARDIS model and he wore it and he tried to wear it like a hat, <laughs> sort of tipping his hat to everyone. Anyway. Oh, if only I would have loved to have met him. Oh, yes, I met him uh, on a number of occasions. Yes. Anyway, moving on. Moving on, yes. <laughs> Digressing here. Um, okay, so now uh, we're coming towards the end of the podcast. It's uh, like a train. It's winding towards the station now uh, after considerable delays. Uh, so it's now time to check and round up the latest releases for Big Finish. Nick, take it away. Yeah, well, I'm just doing this is on the fly here. Uh, well, you know, the Memory Bank and other stories which we mentioned in the news, which features Peter Davison and Mark Strickson. He's a pirate too. Yes, um, uh, that that's that's great. It's got lots of. It's got uh, Chris Chapman writing a story there, who's uh, a brilliant new writer for Big Finish. Uh, there's also a short trips out called Rule Book. Uh, starring Nicola Bryant, reading that. Have we got the short trip rarities? Yeah, we mentioned those last time in The Age of Endurance is out, which oh, is yeah. um, the um, uh, early adventure. Philip Hitchgift presents The Maker of Demons, uh, with starring Sylvester McCoy. Um, Chimes at Midnight, the vinyl edition of Paul McGann, although he's not made of vinyl. I just like to make that joke again. Co- Don't, Doom Coalition 3, and of, co- of course there's the toy museum piece, Lepidoptery for Beginners. Uh, those are the short trips rarities. And The Destiny of the Doctor's Complete Adventure in a big old lovely box. Um, also, the little drummer boy, a short trips rarities. It's just just me listing things. I was yeah. say, if, if nobody knew that these were releases, they just assume that you were just sort of talking gibberish, like going through a, a thrift shop, saying little drummer boy, uh, <laughs> toy, <laughs> vinyl pull yeah, again. I, I, I need to revamp this section of the podcast. It's not working, Nick. It's not working. Tom doesn't think it's working. Oh, Tom. Okay. Well, Tom's right. So, well, that was the latest releases, anyway. If you liked it, write in. If you didn't, write in. Uh, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so now, <laughs> uh, now that that's over, uh, coming up in a moment, it's time for the sixth instalment of our serialisation of The Prisoner. Yes, and number six has had his first encounter with number nine, very important character. He's stormed out and he's heading for the hills. Number two feels he has no choice but to call an orange alert. Uh-oh, here comes Rover. Oh, oh that was good. <laughs> I don't know whether it was, but thank you. Well, it sort of sounds like a wolf on the horizon. <laughs> and now, in the meantime, it's goodbye from me, Benji Clifford. And it's goodbye from me, Nick Briggs. Bye. Bye. You can come in now, Tom. Thank goodness for that. Oh, now then, where's he off to in such a hurry? Oh, dear. 
Um. Observation suite. You want to stop him? I think he's a little overwrought, making a fruitless dash for it, silly boy. Yes, I think it's best. My, my. Rover's getting a second outing today, isn't she? Orange alert! Ah, there he goes. Into the woods, heading for the mountains, such a determined fellow. Nimble on his feet, too. But not nimble enough. What are we toasting? Us? Hmm. To us. I'm not sure Control would approve. You think he doesn't know? You mean one of his grubby little men is here watching us now? If Cobb were here, we'd be able to smell him. <laughs> yes. He's the grubbiest of them all, isn't he? I know I shouldn't ask. But you're going to. Seltzman. You mustn't ask. What can you... Mm. I am not a number. I am a free 